0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Hola, Argentina! Yes, yeah, 8.31 a.m., it's the 12th of January, 2022. This is episode 524 of Bitcoin. And, and we're gonna do some stuff today. That's right. But before I do that, I gotta say good morning to my bitches and my hoes and my closet full of clothes. So why am I starting off with Ola Argentina? Because there seems to be some controversy surrounding Jack Maller's new announcement of strike coming to Argentina. I've heard chatter on the vine that there may be an Ethereum back into all this. I don't freaking know yet. Let's just start with Nomsios from Bitcoin Magazine with the announcement that was released as Jack Maller's always does. He releases, basically it's like, a very well-timed machine over there at Strike. He'll—he's got like a news thing on CNBC, and the second that that shit starts up, Bitcoin Magazine drops an article, tweets go out. It's like it literally is like a marketing machine, man. So you know, say what you want about Jack Mallers, he definitely has a good marketing team behind him. I, I will give—I will definitely give the, the dude that. And I like Jack, but if I find out that this Argentinian bullshit is being backed by Ethereum, I'm not going to be happy because how the f- how the fuck can we just continuously allow Ethereum to enter into the picture here? I mean, it's bad enough. Well, you know why it's bad enough. So let's just do this shit. Bitcoin app Strike launches in Argentina. All right. Well, Namcios, why don't you tell us all about it? Lightning Payments platform Strike has made some of its services available to Argentinians on Tuesday in an effort to, quote, give hope to a population that suffers from hyperinflation, according to an announcement Twitter thread from its founder, Jack Mallers. Quote, today we launch a superior financial experience to a country that faces hyperinflation, predatory payment networks, and unusable cross-border transfers, Mallers tweeted on Tuesday, quote, Today, we use the world's open monetary network, Bitcoin, to give hope to the people of Argentina, end quote. Mallers went on to explain that the country is plagued with a history of economic turmoil and uncertainty. Well, duh. Something Bitcoin could help fix, The peer-to-peer monetary system with a limited and immutable supply of money enables Argentinians to hold sound money that gains in purchasing power both in relation to the peso and the United States dollar. A devaluing national currency impairs citizens' ability to save while it quietly erodes their purchasing power through inflation. In the case of Argentina, annual inflation is currently already above God, 50%, as the country struggles to emerge from a long-lasting recession. Quote, There is now unprecedented demand for an open monetary system that lives within a distributed network, has a known monetary policy, a fixed supply, and is resistant to censorship, Maller said, adding that Argentina needs the best monetary asset and the best monetary network in human history, Bitcoin. End quote. Further, quote, Strike's official launch in Argentina further advances Strike's mission of building a more connected financial world. Strike allows anyone in uh, in Argentina day one access to a wide range of use cases, including instant and near free remittance payments, accepting and sending Bitcoin tips on Twitter, and peer-to-peer transactions, the company said in a statement sent to Bitcoin magazine. Yeah, you can accept tips on Twitter as long as you're on Twitter, you have any idea how many people I've seen get banned? Holy shit. It is a, it it's like, it's a war zone out there. Apparently, I was not the only one to get banned. Anyway, despite U.S. customers being able to access the full range of services provided by Strike, including buying Bitcoin and getting paid in Bitcoin through automatic paycheck conversions, Argentinians are for now only able to hold a cash balance which they can use to save or transfer money instantly to anywhere in the world without fees quote this is a superior financial experience that legacy financial institutions and governments have failed to deliver to the people of argentina mallers said again Namcios writing it for bitcoin magazine not saying a word about the eth back end. so why am i talking about the eth back in well uh, let's see if I can find it again. I got a guy named Scrit, S-C-R-I-T over on Telegram. Scrit, I'm going to read a couple of your things. If you get pissed off at me, I can't help that. But you're bringing up some good points here that I have not heard yet about this stuff. So let me see if I can find one. Um, hold on. Like this one. <clears throat> The silence on this from so-called Bitcoin maxis is deafening. They really are a bunch of hypocrites. Mallers will not be called out for shitcoining, and maxis will protect him at all costs. Okay, so what is he talking about? Well, he seems to think that there is a ETH back end on this particular service that's being offered over to Argentinians. I don't have a whole lot more about that. See, that's the problem is that there's not a whole lot of detail involved. It's just rumor at this point, so please be aware. Rumor. It's a rumor. Rumor, 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 rumor. Okay? And also there's some some talk that he is going to phase out USDT from Strike being used in El Salvador. So there's clearly some weird stuff going on. I'm certain that will you know the clouds will clear and we will get a better picture of it as the days go on, but there does seem to be some very serious controversy about this shit going on, specifically about an Ethereum backend. If you guys have any information on this that is credible, vetted information. Please let me know so that I can report in a more full way about this sometime tomorrow or the next day, depending on how clear this shit gets. But if true, I am not fucking happy about this. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm so tired of people that have been saying that they are Bitcoiners and then start using tools like Ethereum. Why the hell would you use something like Ethereum? Why not use Solana? Why not use Tron? I mean, honestly, if you're going to go shitcoining, you might as well go as deep down that rabbit hole as you possibly can. At least, you know, at least have some cojones about yourself. Now, speaking of cojones, Jack Dorsey announces a legal defense fund for Bitcoin developers. Thank God. Andrew Azmakov has it for Decrypt.co. The founder and CEO of Block, Jack Dorsey, announced plans to create a Bitcoin legal defense fund, a nonprofit initiative entity tasked with providing a legal defense for Bitcoin developers, which is currently the subject of multi-front litigation. The proposal was announced in an email sent to the Bitcoin developers mailing list on January the 12th. Quote, the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is a nonprofit entity that aims to minimize legal headaches that discourage software developers from actively developing Bitcoin and related projects such as the Lightning Network, Bitcoin Privacy Protocols, and the like, wrote Dorsey. The letter stressed that the fund is not seeking to raise additional money for its operations. It may, however, do so at the direction of the board if needed for further legal action or to pay for staff. Dorsey stepped down as Twitter CEO at the end of November 2021. Currently, he heads Block, <clears throat> formerly known as Square, the financial payments firm which recently has been experimenting with crypto-related ideas, including a decentralized exchange for trading Bitcoin and other digital currencies. Apart from Dorsey, the email was signed by ChainCode Labs co-founder Alex Morcos and academic Martin White, who both joined the former Twitter boss on the fund's board. According to the letter, litigation and continued threats against developers are having their intended effect as individual defendants have chosen to capitulate in the absence of legal support. Quote, open source developers who are often independent are especially susceptible to legal pressures. Read the email as explained further. The fund's main purpose is to assist developers in their defense from lawsuits related to their activities in the Bitcoin ecosystem. This will be a free and voluntary option which developers can take advantage of if they wish. The fund will also include a team of volunteers and part-time lawyers. The fund's first activity will coordinate a defense for developers who are being sued by Tulip Trading Limited, the company associated with Australian fraud, computer scientist Craig S. Wright, Over an alleged breach of fiduciary duty, Wright, who claims to be the pseudonymous inventor of the leading cryptocurrency, Satoshi Nakamoto, advocated for a chain split that resulted in the creation of Bitcoin Cash hard fork in 2017. In November of 2018, he went on to create Bitcoin SV, claiming the new cryptocurrency is the actual Bitcoin, hence the name Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. In 2019, Wright filed lawsuits against several prominent figures in the Bitcoin community, including Blockstream CEO Adam Back. In the lawsuit, which was dropped in April of 2020, Wright claimed that Back li- libeled him by calling him a fraud. Craig S. Wright, you are a fucking fraud. Craig Wright, you, Craig Wright, are a fraud. You're a complete fraud. You're not kind of a fraud. You are 100% nothing but a slimy jack-toed, piece-of-shit fraud. Everything you do is fraudulent. You lie out of your mouth. You lie out of your ears. You lie when you read. You lie when you walk. You lie about everything. You are nothing but the scum of the earth, and I hope you get flushed down the toilet by this whole thing. So thank God for Jack Dorsey, at least so far. And hopefully he doesn't begin shit-coining himself if, you know, the the rumors about Jack Mallers are true. Um, <clears throat> again, I'm going to assume that Jack Mallers is not shitcoining at this at the present time. Why? Because I like Jack Mallers. I really do. I really don't want it to come out that there is indeed an Ethereum backend on the Strike app for Argentinians. I'll be very upset. At least for now, Jack Dorsey seems to be doing the right thing he has not seemed to delve into shitcoinery and he is going to defend bitcoin developers from frauds like craig wright now let's read the entire letter that was posted to bitcoin the bitcoin dev mailing list it says to bitcoin developers the bitcoin community is currently the subject of multi-front litigation litigation and continued threats are having their intended effect Individual defendants have chosen to capitulate in the absence of legal support. Open source developers who are often independent are especially susceptible to legal pressure. In response, we propose a coordinated and formalized response to help defend developers. The Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is a nonprofit entity that aims to minimize legal headaches that discourage software developers from actively developing Bitcoin and related projects such as Lightning Networks, Bitcoin privacy (coughs) protocols, and the like. The main purpose of this fund is to defend developers from lawsuits regarding their activities in the Bitcoin ecosystem, including finding and retaining defense counsel, developing litigation strategy, and paying legal bills. This is a free and voluntary option for developers to take advantage of if they so wish. The fund will start with a core of volunteer and part-time lawyers. The board of the fund will be responsible for determining which lawsuits and defendants It will help defend. The fund's first activities will be to take over coordination of the existing defense of the tulip trading lawsuit against certain developers alleging breach of fiduciary duty and provide the source of funding for outside counsel. At this time, the fund is not seeking to raise additional money for its operations, but will do so at the direction of the board if needed for further legal action or to pay for staff. If you have questions or concerns, you can email info at bitcoindefensefund.org. That's info at bitcoindefensefund, all one word.org. dot org. We'll share more information in the near future. Sincerely, Jack Dorsey, Alex Morcos, and Martin White of the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund Board. So there you go. There's the actual letter in its entirety. Now, moving on. Solo block miner with only 120 terahashes finds a valid block. Oh, local boy does good. Nomcios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. A solo miner won a 6.25 BTC reward on Tuesday, worth about $265,000 at the time of writing, after being able to add a new valid block to the Bitcoin network with a hash rate capacity of just about 120 terahashes per second in the mining pool Solo CK. Quote, congratulations to a Bitcoin miner with only 126 terahashes who solved a solo block on, and then it gives the website. Solo CK administrator Dr. Khan Kolivas tweeted. The miner, which according to Solo CK Pool stats is an individual worker, won the Bitcoin mining lottery when odds were against them. Kolivas explained there is about a 1 in 10,000 chance of finding a block per day with that hash rate. For perspective, their 120 terahashes per second hash rate equals 0. 0.00012 exahashes per second and accounts for about 0.00007% of the total Bitcoin network hash rate. Most public Bitcoin miners have a hash rate capacity between 1 and 5 exahashes per second, more than 10,000 times greater than this solo miner's capacity. Mining Bitcoin is an activity in which miners compete for being the first to find a valid hash below the network's threshold at any given time. Despite common beliefs, the computation performed to find a hash is not complex, but fairly straightforward. The difficulty lies in finding a valid hash, one that falls within the boundary set by the Bitcoin network's mining difficulty in that particular epoch. The more hashes per second a miner can perform, the more likely they are to find a valid block, broadcast it to the network, and receive the block reward since they can try more combinations each second. However, small miners can still hit the jackpot as the hash functions out sorry, as the hash function outputs widely different hashes given even slightly different inputs. Miners often iterate quickly by changing the nonce and the transaction selected as it seeks to find the perfect combination of inputs that outputs a valid hash. So there you go. If you thought that you would never be able to win a full block all by yourself, this guy just proved everybody wrong. Um, I I doubt that he will get another one anytime soon, but it is good to actually see somebody who's a complete solo miner win a block. The only thing that confuses me is that he seems to be part of a pool. So... I don't, it seems very odd because even inside a pool, a solo mining machine is going to find a block. It's not going to be a combination of 10 different machines that all work together to find a single block. It's a combination of machines that are working together and one of them in a huge pool of machines will eventually find a block, but everybody is going to share in that block. So, I don't, I mean, share in the block insofar as the block subsidy plus the fees as part of the entire block reward. So I'm a little confused how he could be part of a pool and be able to keep the subsidy as well as the fees all to his or herself. Not sure about that, but we ain't got time to dwell on that. We got other fish to fry. Fidelity adds Bitcoin exposure to traditional ETFs. Nomsios again for Bitcoin Magazine. Fidelity Investments Canada, the country's first regulated institutional Bitcoin custodian, has added a Bitcoin allocation to two of its all-in-one exchange-traded funds, a set of low-risk ETFs that seek to provide investors with exposure to different assets, regions, market capitalizations, and investment styles. The addition will change the fund's risk rating to medium. Fidelity said in a Tuesday press release that the decision to add Bitcoin exposure to the all-in-one funds was made for its diversification benefits with the potential to improve risk-adjusted returns going forward. The Fidelity all-in-one balanced ETF provides investors with diversified exposure to different asset classes in different regions of the globe with a neutral mix of 60% equity factors and 40% systemic or a systematic and actively managed fixed income ETFs. Although similar, the Fidelity All in One Growth ETF has a greater risk appetite and increases equity exposure to seek capital appreciation through an 85 to 15% division, respectively. The Bitcoin allocation is being made through Fidelity's Spot Bitcoin ETF, the Fidelity Advantage Bitcoin ETF launched in November after consecutive failures to get approval from regulators to list a fund that directly invest in BTC in U.S. markets. The Securities and Exchange Commission approved Bitcoin-linked ETFs in America last year. However, such offerings invest in futures contracts of Bitcoin, meaning they provide indirect Bitcoin exposure instead of direct and come with increased cost and limits on the number of contracts it can hold for each month. Despite a launch marked by new records, the excitement around Bitcoin futures ETFs has mostly faded as investors realize the offering might not function as an actual proxy to the Bitcoin price. In late October, the ProShares Bitcoin strategy ETF amassed $1 billion in trading volume in its first day and became the fastest ETF to reach $1 billion in assets the following day. However, as of January 10th, 2022, Uh, the fund only had increased its holdings marginally to $1.03 billion. Oh, wow. So, yeah, boy, that fell off a cliff real quick. Thank you, NOMCOs from Bitcoin Magazine. Um, The U.S. having nothing but futures-based Bitcoin ETFs is, in my opinion, on purpose. They're not doing a spot ETF because they know that that would probably jack their plans to try to artificially suppress the price of Bitcoin through derivatives products, as we have seen with gold, silver, platinum, uranium, oil, all kinds of shit. There's all kinds of shit that, and I was talking about this yesterday that I'm, you know, I'm starting to really wonder if this is an artificial depressment and manipulation of the price of Bitcoin. Well, the only way that you can do that, if at all possible, is through derivatives trading products such as a futures ETF. It's been done on many separate occasions over many separate asset classes and it doesn't look like it's losing steam anytime soon. I do believe wholeheartedly that this is the main reason why the United States has not enabled a spot Bitcoin ETF. Without the ability to buy the Bitcoin directly, Hold the Bitcoin on a balance sheet, whether you own the keys or you've given your keys to the spot ETF fund. At this point, it doesn't matter. Although you should always hold your own keys if at all possible. There's no reason to buy futures ETFs. There's no reason to buy spot ETFs unless you're like a pension fund and you have rules that you have to follow. If you're an individual there right now, there's nothing stopping you from buying Bitcoin by yourself with your money and holding it with your keys. That's what you should be doing. Don't wait for a spot ETF. The only people that are waiting for a spot ETF that actually need it are gonna be massive insurance companies, massive pension funds, the kinds of institutional investments that are gilded and surrounded and guarded by all of these regulatory fronts. You yourself can hold Bitcoin. And I highly advise to buy Bitcoin on a DCA schedule, a daily cost average, whatever you can afford, like 25 bucks a week, hundred bucks a week. I don't know, like, you know, maybe a hundred bucks a month. Whatever it is that you can afford, I highly recommend DCAing and then transferring that Bitcoin after a while into your own wallet so that you can hold your own keys, okay? Because if you don't hold your own keys, you don't hold your own coin. Anyway, the, the whole thing about this is that I think that futures were allowed by the SEC to try to artificially suppress the price of Bitcoin so it didn't make the United States dollar look like the piece of shit that it really is. Moving on. <clears throat> Luxor launches Bitcoin ASIC Trading Desk. Speaking of derivatives, actually, I don't think this is this is not a derivative. I think they're actually selling the machines. Let's find out from Namcios. Apparently, he's the only business writer Bitcoin Magazine has at this point. Luxor Technology Corporation has launched an ASIC trading desk to bridge the gap between interested buyers and sellers in the secondary market of Bitcoin mining rigs. The Bitcoin mining service services provider said it would purchase and sell the application-specific integrated circuits for Bitcoin mining on behalf of its team, miners, and investors to offer rigs at fair market prices. Sweet. Quote, Our goal is to simplify the procurement process so our miners can spend more time building hash rate and less time worrying about how to find it, said Alex Brammer, VP of Business Development, in a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine, quote, whether it's an institutional miner replacing a fleet of new generation machines or retail buying one rig, we are able to maximize our clients' capital efficiency and minimize their risk, end quote. Luxor said, the market... For or the markets of Bitcoin mining gear are usually opaque and and filled with information asymmetry, which in addition to macroeconomic, regional economic, and market cycle conditions often lead to increased volatility in prices across the primary and secondary markets. Quote, the Luxor ASIC trading desk will trade in these markets, taking principal positions in ASICs to help miners gain access to rigs at fair market prices, they said in a statement. The trading desk is the latest addition to Luxor's suite of Bitcoin mining-related offerings. The company also offers its customers a data analytics solution, the hash rate index platform that provides actionable insights into some vital metrics of the Bitcoin mining industry, including minor revenue per hash rate and a comparison tool for the cost and efficiency of different mining rigs. The company revamped its hash rate index platform in December when it added the ability to denominate data in Bitcoin and increase the scope of information the platform can analyze. Luxor also offers a Bitcoin mining pool and a profit switching tool that allows its customers to employ compute power to different blockchains to increase margins while receiving payouts in Bitcoin. So here we go that this is an actual trading desk for physical asic machines do i think it's good i do i i think it's good will they try to hammer the prices and possibly use their position to uh inflate the prices of ASIC machines possibly probably likely i mean come on it's human nature humans are are essentially apparently driven by greed so You got to keep your eyes on Luxor. Watch what they're doing. Don't let them just, you know, don't just go around saying, oh, yay, we've got a secondary market and everything's going to be great. No, don't trust them. I'm serious. Don't trust them. It doesn't mean that they suck automatically. It means don't trust Verify. That's what we, that's what we do, right? And Wikipedia or rather, yeah, well, Wikimedia, uh, (laughs) They have a proposal, It's they, they've they put out this thing called a request for comment on their uh, thinking of stop accepting cryptocurrency donations. I'm not even gonna read this thing except to say that there are, it, let's look at the headings at least. Their, their proposal is, is that they wanna stop taking crypto donations, why? Well, let's see. Um, Fees is one of the headings. They're, they're concerned about fees. Oh, oh my God. They're, they're concerned about the environmental burden of a Bitcoin transaction. (gasps) Oh my God. Oh my God. And yes, they go through the whole cost of a transaction, which is one of the worst metrics I've ever seen in my entire life. It's, it has nothing to do with transactions. And then environmental and activist considerations of Bitcoin and all kinds of shit. So most of these are in support. Okay, so I'm talking about the comments here. So on, on this section on voting, um, let's see, here's one. Support, long overdue. Accepting cryptocurrency makes a joke out of WMF's commitment to environmental sustainability. Here's another one, support. The cryptocurrency donation feature completely disregards the sustainability commitment. Cryptocurrency takes a massive toll on the environment. Another one, support. Not environmentally sustainable. Now here's one for oppose. The argument seems to be that Wikimedia's core values are violated by the very nature of cryptocurrency. but Hinging on this entirely on the environmental cost of kilowatt-per-hour usage for Bitcoin mining suggests that there may be a vast array of activities the WMF should cease or oppose on the exact same basis. This is a movement that still gathers thousands of people physically in one city of the world each year. Executives and stakeholders crisscross the globe repeatedly, including the founder hobnobbing at Davos. Cryptocurrencies are a store of value worth trillions of dollars if movement supporters want to use their liquid assets to support the movement we should facilitate that and not make spot judgments that are more reflective of today's cause celebre on twitter than a than a considered and comprehensive judgment see all the people that actually oppose this and there's like only a few are actually writing mostly complete sentences and well thought out all the rest of them are just either like look like most of them are just either support or support with a like a a, just a phrase not even a complete sentence this tells me these are bots all right so wikimedia totally just sucking dick for the man i suppose all right let's see Powell, fed chair defends blocking wyoming crypto banks including kraken This is out of uh, Decrypt.co and is written by Jeff John Roberts. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell defended the central bank's policy of denying accounts to Wyoming's upstart crypto banks on Thursday, citing their novel and hugely precedential nature. How uh, Powell's comments, which he made during a Senate hearing on whether he should be reconfirmed as Fed chair, come amid growing frustration in Wyoming over the central bank's treatment of crypto companies like Kra- Kraken and Avanti. Those companies are among a handful of crypto businesses that have received permission under Wyoming law to become special purpose depository institutions, a new type of financial entity that can transact in crypto while also performing traditional banking services. In order for these SPDIs, pronounced speedies, to begin banking operations, however, they require so-called master accounts at the Federal Reserve, which banks use to arrange payments with the central bank and conduct settlement with other financial institutions. But while Kraken and Avanti received speedy charters from Wyoming in 2020, the Federal Reserve has refused to process their applications for master accounts, a decision that Senator Cynthia Lummis claims is both unfair and illegal. Quote, I'm terribly concerned about the manner in which Wyoming speedies are being treated by the Federal Reserve, Lummis told Powell. Lummis also cited legal precedent to claim the Fed does not have discretion to to deny master accounts to speedies and accused it of a strategy of deny by delay and starving the applicants until they die. Powell responded by saying that the Federal Reserve has studied the speedy applications closely and that there are good arguments for treating them as eligible to receive accounts. But Powell also suggested the central bank has concerns about allowing the likes of Kraken and Avanti to join traditional banks as Fed customers, noting the speedy model could expand rapidly with implications for the broader financial system. Oh my God. Quote, if we start granting these, there will be a couple of hundred of them soon, he told the hearing. They're hugely precedential, which is why I'm taking my time on this, end quote. Lumis re- retorted that the Federal Reserve has sat on the speedy applications for well over a year and has been slow to communicate with the crypto banks and her staff on why the process is taking so long. Quote, Throw me a lifeline to support your nomination, said Lummis, who last month urged her fellow members of the Senate Banking Committee to consider blocking Powell's renomination over the issue. Powell's reappointment reappo- is all but assured. However, as numerous state Republicans have already stated, they support him in part because they regard him as more moderate than other candidates who President Biden was considering. Tuesday's hearing saw senators address a wide variety of issues confronting Powell and the central bank, including inflation, diversity, and the recent resignation of several Fed board members over ethical concerns. Lemmis was not the only senator to ask Powell about crypto policy at the hearing. Senator Mike Crapo, Jesus, what a name, pressed the chair to say when the Federal Reserve would release an overdue overdue report about its policy on stablecoins and cryptocurrency. Powell replied that the report has been completed and would be published in coming weeks. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, Futures and Commodities. All flammable liquids are on fire yet one more time. Oil, West Texas Intermediate up 1.34% to $82.31 a barrel. Brent North Sea under a point to the upside, 0.82% to be exact, $84.41 a barrel. And natural gas doing its thing. Do check it out. 7.67% to the upside to $4.57. Per thousand cubic feet, gasoline up 0.84 uh, percent, two dollars and thirty-seven cents. All your shiny metal rocks are glimmering in the in, in glimmering in the snow. Gold is up a quarter of a point to eighteen hundred and twenty-three bucks. Silver up point, no, no not 1.28% to $23.10. Platinum is up almost a full point. Copper is up over three points and palladium is up almost a point. Agricultural futures are mixed. Coffee is your biggest winner at three points to the upside. Biggest loser is going to be, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's going to be cocoa or chocolate down 0.39%. Uh, let's see, Sugar is also a big winner today, 1.5% to the upside. Nasdaq, or sorry, Nasdaq. Dow futures up a half point. S&P futures up half point. Nasdaq is up point, well actually three quarters of a point, and the S&P mini is up also likewise, three quarters of a point. Fuck it, real money, $43,767. 273,906 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 11,500 transactions every hour on the hour with a mere 664,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That's 27,600 BTC every hour on the hour being sent. With the average transaction value of 2.5 BTC, the median transaction value has fallen to 0.014 BTC or about 600 bucks. Block times are low, 9 minutes and 28 seconds. 0.07 0.07 BTC taken in fees over on a per block basis and almost 12 BTC taken in fees in the last 24 hour period. With a 3.4% rise in hash rate, we are now up at 178.5 exahashes per second. Your coin indicator is Dogecoin who has had also a recovery to 15.8 United States pennies. 11,385 transactions are waiting on six blocks to clear. Market capitalization of Bitcoin stands at $829.3 billion, which is just a hair under 7% of gold's market cap. And with your one Bitcoin, if you so choose, you may purchase 24 ounces or yeah, 24 ounces of shiny metal rocks. There are 18,926,860.25 BTC in circulation. 3,335.6 3,335.6 of which are tied up in the Lightning Network, valued at $146.2 million, being run over 18,833 nodes with 83,939 payment channels and 76.1%. All that shit's being run over Tor, 2,539.8 BTC handled by the Tor side of the Lightning Network. And uh, being processed by 11,764 Tor nodes that we know about, that's going to do it for vitals. Welcome, welcome to part two of the news you can use. Starting it off with Namcios, oh my God, from Bitcoin Magazine. Is he the only guy writing for Bitcoin Magazine at this point? Jesus. How Spiral, Jack Dorsey's rebranded Bitcoin company, is accelerating adoption. Jack Dorsey's popular financial company, Square, went through a recent rebrand and is now called Block. The move led to one of its subsidiaries, Square Crypto, to also take up a fresh name, now known as Spiral, Block's Bitcoin company has set out on a well-defined mission to advance Bitcoin toward worldwide use. In its rebranding statement, Spiral noted that its original name had never fit it well. The inclusion of its parent company's former name within its own led people to believe the connection between the two was stronger than it actually was, and this caused confusion around Square Crypto's independence. Furthermore, The presence of crypto misrepresented its mission, the company said, since it is focused solely on Bitcoin. Thank God. Spiral also alludes to Bitcoin as it continues to grow like a spiral from a single point, encompassing more and more space until it touches everything, per a Square Tweet. Despite coming under the umbrella of Block, Spiral operates completely independently of its parent company, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Block and ex-CEO of Twitter, those little bastards, has little direct control over Spiral. The company's lead, Steve Lee, told Bitcoin Magazine in a recent interview that, quote, Spiral decides how our team runs, what we work on and how resources are spent, not Block or Dorsey. Spiral's sole goal is to enable Bitcoin to touch everything. (laughs) Show us where on the doll the uh, Bitcoin touched you. Lee said that Spiral seeks to accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin by facilitating the work of developers building applications that interact with the monetary network. Ultimately, he explained that can lead to better experiences for the end user, an essential factor for reaching high adoption rates. Quote, Spiral can accelerate adoption by creating development tools and infrastructure, which make it easier for people to build better user experiences Make the network more secure, access better tools, and increase privacy, Lee said. Even among those who are relatively open to adopting it, Bitcoin is seen by many as solely digital gold, an enhanced version of the world's most sought-after metal that can be sent and received through the internet while retaining its owner's purchasing power. But many Bitcoiners disagree with the limited view, or with that limited view, and instead envision the peer-to-peer asset being scaled in a layered approach to become a worldwide currency, something Spiral also believes in and is dedicated to helping Bitcoin achieve through the Lightning Network. Quote, our goal long-term is to make Bitcoin a useful everyday currency for people around the world. Adoption of Bitcoin naturally starts with ownership, but the endpoint is daily use as a currency, Lee said. By developing libraries and tools to help developers implement Bitcoin and Lightning functionality to their apps, Spiral hopes it can make Bitcoin's use as a currency more feasible for people around the world. That is already a reality in places like El Salvador, but in many others, citizens still struggle to leverage Lightning as a proper scaling tool, an issue that might be rooted in the technology's implementation. Quote, almost every lightning wallet and application needs its own customizations to nail the user experience historically it hasn't been a developer friendly process and it's a problem for mobile applications in particular because they tend to need more customization it's harder to do it's harder to deliver the user experience people expect on mobile in terms of privacy security as well as performance, end quote, Lee said. This problem has prompted the company to work on a development kit for Lightning, the LDK, which takes care of the more difficult aspects of the technology and frees developers' bandwidth to focus on the end user's experience, quote, with LDK, developers don't have to modify the underlying Lightning network implementation and they don't need to familiarize themselves with a the different programming language or be experts on the Lightning protocol, he said. LDK abstracts low-level concepts of Lightning development to enable easier integration of Bitcoin's scaling protocol. By abstracting the network and database interfaces, for instance, LDK allows developers to run LDK inside a browser that requires web sockets and to enjoy more flexibility when it comes to storing and managing lightning state data. Quote, <clears throat> LDK even allows developers to provide their own custom peer scoring, customizing the payment pre-image generation and create custom channel scripts, Lee added. The scaling technology is dependent on a reliable and effective base layer. Besides its work on Lightning, Spiral also is devising a development kit geared towards Bitcoin's base layer, the Bitcoin development kit. BDK is very similar in concept to LDK. It can be thought of as a sibling project, Lee explained. BDK helps developers build the on-chain portions of a wallet while LDK focuses on layer two. The combination of BDK and LDK make any wallet intended to scale to millions of users dramatically easier to build, end quote. Something that is easier to build also can, in theory, be more easily tested and patched. Part of Spiral's focus lies in helping make that a reality, and the company intends to double the number of full-time developers working with them next year to achieve that goal. Another facet of Spiral's mission and work relates to funding, other open-source Bitcoin projects. Spiral's grant program was designed to empower developers, designers, and other contributors with the resources they need to improve Bitcoin's privacy, security, UX, and ability to scale, according to Lee. Anyone interested in being paid to work on Bitcoin full-time can apply to do so on Spiral's website. In addition to making tangible direct contributions to the Bitcoin ecosystem, Spiral also hopes to inspire similar organizations to be born and further add to the open source mission. Quote, in 10 years, we hope to have inspired 10 more like us with their own flavor and style contributing to open source Bitcoin development, Lee said. So if you wanted to know what the hell Spiral was into, apparently they want to touch everybody. I think that may be a little gay. Not sure about that, but you know, whatever. In either event, oh, by the way, if you're gay, I don't care. I literally have better fish to fry than to worry about who the fuck you're in bed with. I mean, I don't go around worrying about what other heterosexuals are doing in their bedroom. Why? Because it's perverted. Who Who cares? Oh my God, keep your, mind your own damn business. Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph, says a third of Americans are gonna buy Bitcoin by the end of 2022, or at least that's what Rick Edelman says. Bitcoin bull and Edelman Financial Engines founder, Rick Edelman, has made some promising predictions about the future of the seminal cryptocurrency. In an interview on CNBC program ETF Edge on Monday, Edelman said, quote, we're already at a quarter of that number with 24% of Americans owning Bitcoin. It won't be that much of a stretch to get to one-third. Bitcoin is becoming more and more mainstream. People are hearing about it everywhere. It isn't going away, end quote. Yes, that's right. Bitcoin is going to touch you. While 2022 has gotten off to a rocky start, in his view, governments, corporations, foundations, and pension funds are investing in Bitcoin. There is major institutional involvement. As the author of soon-to-be-released The Truth About Crypto, Edelman is a long-standing crypto proponent. In 2019, he described Bitcoin as the first genuinely new asset class in 150 years. And back in December of 2018, he recommended that investors load up on Orange Coin. In a follow-up interview with CNBC on Tuesday, he lamented that while he has predicted a Bitcoin spot exchange traded fund for the past seven years, he's convinced that by 2023 there will have been spot ETF approval. Similar to United States Securities and Exchange Commissioner Hester Pierce's thoughts on the matter, Edelman articulates that the SEC is running out of excuses to say no. Quote, a lot of the concerns the SEC have been resolved, or sorry, let's do this again. A lot of the concerns the SEC has, have been resolved by the industry through their own maturity, innovation, and development. I am confident that we will see the SEC say yes, because there is no legitimate reason for them not to." Matthew Hogan, Chief Investment Officer of Bitwise Asset Management, agreed with him in a second interview. Hogan stated that there would be even more investor protections and a better product thanks to the cumulative weight of the evidence that will force them to move forward with approval. Consumer protection provided by an SEC-run ETF is the cherry on top of a slick product. Well, whatever, dude, you can believe that if you want. ETF speculation aside, Edelman is clairvoyant about the banality of Satoshi Nakamoto's invention in the future. He summed it up succinctly, saying Bitcoin is going to be as common as the next in the next couple of years as any other portion of a portfolio. I believe Edelman is correct no need to cherry pick anything out of that one let's move on mercado bitcoin operator acquires portuguese crypto exchange helen parts has it for coin telegraph brazilian 2tm group the operator of latin america's largest cryptocurrency exchange mercado bitcoin is moving to expand its global footprint with a strategic acquisition in portugal the company officially announced Wednesday the acquisition of a controlling stake in Crypto a Lisbon-based crypto exchange licensed by the Portuguese central bank. Subject to approval by Banco de Portugal, the new deal intends to help 2TM start its expansion into Europe with over-the-counter exchange services. The company also plans to offer the services of Mercado Bitcoin to retail and institutional investors in Portugal. Quote, we will access the European market using the clear synergies with our presence in Latin America as we share the same language, a recognized brand, a cross-sell opportunity for customers. There are many Brazilians living in Portugal who would love to invest through our platform. Roberto D'Agroni said, uh, he's the t 2 or 2TM CEO. Dag- oh, sorry, Dagroni. Dagnani said that the new acquisition had become possible after several major funding rounds in 2021, in which 2TM raised over $250 million from investors such as the Japanese financial giant SoftBank, bringing its valuation to more than $2 billion by November. Quote, crypto is a global business. Portugal is a strategic market for us because it requires a specific license is becoming an important hub for crypto in europe and opens up a gateway into the larger european market dagnani noted according to the announcement crypto founders luis gomez and pedro borges will remain co-heads of the business while assessing 2tm's expansion in europe quote cryptocurrencies are still an emerging topic in the country All the virtual assets such as Bitcoin and shitcoin number one are generating a revolution and considerable demand, Borges stated. Portugal has been hailed as a crypto friendly jurisdiction as its authorities have pushed for technologically free zones for FinTech development and innovation in the country. Last year, the Central Bank of Portugal licensed three, count them one, two, three crypto exchange businesses Crypto Loja, Luso Digital Assets, and Mind the Coin. Uh, I don't know about that last one. That sounds like a stupid name, but whatever. Continuing on, Erhan Karman for Cointelegraph. IMF says Bitcoin has matured to an integral part of digital asset revolution or the digital asset revolution. Crypto is no longer an obscure asset class within the financial ecosystem, but a growing correlation with the stock market undercuts the investment hedge role of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, according to a new International Monetary Fund research piece. A blog post accompanying the survey highlights new risks associated with the growing interconnectedness between digital assets and legacy financial markets. Penned by IMF Monetary and Capital Markets Department Director Tobias Adrian and economist Tara Ehler, as well as Research Deputy Division Chief Mavash Kwashi, the article claims that the increasing correlation between crypto assets and stocks, quote, limits their perceived risk diversification benefits and raises the risk of contagion across financial markets. Boy, howdy. The IMF doing everything they can to crush this shit. It's not going to work, you unelected bag of shit. Crypto assets such as Bitcoin have matured from an obscure asset class with few users to an integral part of the digital asset revolution, the article reads, adding that this transaction comes along with financial stability concerns. Oh, you're concerned. Tell me where Bitcoin touched you. Noting that Bitcoin and Shitcoin One rarely correlated with major stock indices before the pandemic, the authors agree that crypto assets help diversify risk for investors by acting as a hedge against swings in other asset classes. Quote, But this changed after the extraordinary central bank crisis responses of early 2020, the authors wrote, adding that crypto and stocks surged hand in hand as investors' risk appetite grew. Yeah, I'm going to pause there. You mean a whole shitload of people that were locked down in their fucking houses that were bored to tears, couldn't spend their money and had the Robinhood app all of a sudden started investing because they had literally nothing else to do with their goddamn day. And all of a sudden there's correlation. No, you guys screwed the world's economy and these are the effects of it. Everything went up because nobody had anything else to do but to play the markets in every asset class under the sun, and that includes the Bitcoin asset class. Continuing on, the correlation coefficient between BTC and the S&P 500 has jumped 3,600%, going from 0.01 to 0.36 after April, 2020. This means that the two asset classes have been more closely rising and falling together since the coronavirus pandemic began. With stronger correlation comes greater risk for Bitcoin, according to IMF experts. Yeah, like they know shit about it. The growing interconnectedness between crypto and equity markets would permit the transmission of shocks that can destabilize financial markets. Noting that crypto assets are no longer on the fringe of the financial system, the authors summarized with this quote, given their relatively high volatility and valuations, their increased co-movement could soon pose risks to legacy financial stability, especially in countries with widespread crypto adoption." End quote. The experts, oh, I love it. The experts further called for a coordinated global regulatory framework to guide national regulation and supervision and mitigate the financial stability risks stemming from the crypto ecosystem, quote. Last month, IMF chief economist Gita Gopinath made a similar call for a global policy regarding crypto. She argued that if countries were to ban crypto, they would not have any control over offshore exchanges that are not subject to their country's regulations. Yeah, so you're going to have to put it into the fold or it's going to eat you alive. And guess what? It's going to eat you alive anyway. So there's that. Have fun staying poor, motherfuckers, because honestly, I don't think the IMF is equipped at all to deal with the rapid pace of change in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Everything they regulate is going to be out of date by the time they push the regulations through. I don't think they have the foresight to have a first principles regulatory framework that they can push. I think that they're going to continuously regulate the symptoms that they see as bad rather than have some kind of overarching regulatory framework that they can apply as a first principle, right? They're gonna treat the symptoms and not the perceived disease. I don't think Bitcoin is a disease. If it is a disease, it's a cancer that kills other cancers and in and of itself will stabilize its growth pattern to a more nominally acceptable way of living, and we will all finally be free? Well, I don't know if we'll all finally be free because some humans some humans are sheep, <coughs> others are wolves, and both of them know it. Maybe the sheep don't know it, but the wolves certainly know what they are. All right, let's finish this off with Bitcoinist. And Best owie is the name of the author of this one. Hollywood celebs hit with lawsuit over Ethereum Max promotion. (laughs) I hope you choke on it, you dumb bitches. Multiple Hollywood celebs have now come under fire for their role in promoting scams. I mean, the highly controversial token called Ethereum Max. Various high-profile celebrities like Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, and Paul Pierce took to their social media platforms with hundreds of millions of followers to promote what many have said had been a classic pump-and-dump scam. The token, which has ridden risen in po- 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 popularity during the summer, had subsequently lost a significant portion of its value after the hype generated by the Hollywood celebs died down. Oh, you think? This has prompted a lawsuit from an investor accusing the celebrities of knowingly pumping the price so they could dump their bags on other investors. Oh, joy, I can't wait. In a lawsuit posted on Law 360, Hollywood celebrities Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather, and Paul Pierce were listed as defendants in a suit filed by an aggrieved party who had invested in the cryptocurrency due to the promotion and endorsement by the celebrities. You dumb bitch. The plaintiff, who is identified as... Hager, Hagerich, sorry, there's no way I'm pronouncing that one, <clears throat> Hagerich, let's say Hagerich, accused the defendants of promoting the company as one with great prospects and high return margins. Hagerich, like most other investors who had gotten into the cryptocurrency after following these celebrities, was left with next-to-worthless bags when the token dumped over 70% from its all-time high. The plaintiff argued that the defendants listed in the complaint had promoted Ethereum Max just so they could sell their own tokens for a profit and leave others hanging out to dry. Quote, defendants touted the prospects of the company as and the ability of four investors to make significant returns due to favorable quote tokenomics, end quote, of the Emacs tokens in truth, defendants marketed the Emacs tokens to investors so that they could sell their portion of the float for a profit the complaint read. Halger Rich plans to make the lawsuit into a class action suit against the celebrities of which he will represent as the lead plaintiff in the case. <clears throat> At, and they're going to go into the rise and fall of Emacs. And honestly, who gives a shit? All I know is that this is the same old story that we've been seeing since 2017. More likely, well, more over into the 2018 side, but around that time when you had this when you had the scambrian explosion of ICOs and shit coins and everything under the sun, and it was bad. If you weren't around here in the Bitcoin world during that time, whoa, Nelly, was it a ride? It was a hell of a ride. Anyway, celebrities started getting in on pumping and dumping scam tokens. It's no surprise that all these people are going to start suing them. However, I must say this. How much of this was your own damn fault from, for following a celebrity? Why do you think that they have a PhD in anything? They're celebrities. Floyd Mayweather is a boxer. He's a talented boxer. I wouldn't trust his word on anything other than to how to throw a punch or how to dodge a punch or how to move. Maybe how to conserve your energy in the ring. That's the kind of shit I'm going to take away from Floyd Mayweather. The kind of stuff that I take away from Kim Kardashian would be marketing advice. I would take marketing advice from Kim Kardashian because why? Because she's a master at it. She also knows who to hire that is even better at marketing than she is. So I would take her advice on that. Am I going to take her advice on economics of a new asset class? No, no, I'm not. You shouldn't either. And I don't know who this idiot Pierce is, but he's probably some dumb motherfucker about everything, but something that he actually does well. Maybe it's acting. I don't know who the guy is. I, let's say he's an actor. I would take his advice on acting. I would take his advice on how to get called for, you know, a casting call. I would, I would listen to him do that. I'm not going to listen to him tell me why the Ethereum Max blockchain is better than Bitcoin. Or, God forbid, better than Ethereum itself. Don't listen to these people. If they're out of their wheelhouse, you're going to get fucked. That's the end of the story. And that's also the end of the morning roundup. It's joke time with Dad Says Jokes. A genie granted me one wish. So I said, I just want to be happy. Now I'm living in a cottage with six doors and working in a mine. Yeah. Well, at least you got a maid. Ah, ah, Get it? No, well, whatever. Um, if you want to support what I do, if you want to support the show, um, I have several avenues. One of them has been closed down because I am now off Twitter. Let's talk about that for a second. I'm just going to say that because I'm off Twitter, I have no access to the tipping function of Twitter that allowed people to send me Bitcoin directly to my Strike wallet. You can still do that. Um, uh, let's see. If you want to, you can send me direct to Strike because I'm still going to be using Strike until I'll figure out what the hell is going on with um, uh, what the hell is going on with Jack Mallers and the pop? Uh, the the rumor that there is an ETH backside. So if you want to support me through Strike, it is Strike.me forward slash Nunya all one word: N U N Y A B I D N E S S, which was my avatar's name on Twitter before they decided to shit can me on January the first. Happy New Year! Uh, also, I have a Patreon page. Bitcoin and podcast on Patreon. And uh, thank you to my uh, my newest, yes, my newest um, uh, patron. Who is that big guy? I gotta start actually sh- saying the names of these people because they are supporting me. So thank you to Dave Crazy, K-R-Z-Y. So I assume it's, it's crazy. Um, also to Dave, to uh, my favorite, one of my favorite people in the world is uh, Fartface. I also want to say hello to Ben Hancock. Thank you for supporting me. I really do appreciate it. As well as Logan and my one of my favorite people in the world that I used to work with was my first Patreon when I didn't even have a i I didn't even have a podcast and I was using Patreon. I just made a Patreon thing as a joke. And now it's kind of like actually taking off a little bit, but Kenny Kettner, you're one of my favorite people. I miss working with you at Texas Tech University. I really do. He's given me $1 a month for like 67 straight months. You you can't beat that shit. You, you just can't beat that shit with a stick. Also, five-star reviews on Apple iTunes always work. Also, because I am not on Twitter, if you have the ability to share the like my podcast via a share button off of SoundCloud or Apple iTunes or wherever it is, you know, whatever podcatcher that you're listening to it, please do it. Please, for the love of God, because I am so completely off of Twitter, I'm I'm actually almost done with my withdrawal symptoms. But be that as it may, <clears throat> there is also one other way you can do that, and that's through podcasting 2.0. And when you support pod me through Podcasting 2.0 by streaming me sats as I stream you these dulcet tones, you're not only supporting me and my, my lightning node, you are supporting Podcasting 2.0, which is the most important thing that we should be thinking about right now outside of Bitcoin. If you want to think about something other than Bitcoin and you don't want to think about some kind of shitcoin, then you have to think about Podcasting 2.0 because it's going to enable the future That's right, it's going to enable the future. The ability to stream value for content is the next model on the horizon. And if you're not taking part of it now and learning how it works, you're just going to be a consumer of it over the next five years. And in the next five years, I guess I will, well, see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett.